Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. You're joining us during a foundational series in the life of our church that we're calling This Is Hope. During this series, we're asking two questions. Who are we? And because of who we are, what do we do? If you're joining us here for the very first time, I wanna be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us and fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. This is Hope is an identity declaration of who we are and what we do. So, who are we? And what do we do? At Hope Church, we magnify Christ above everything. We experience life change in community. This is Hope. Good morning, Hope Church family. How are we feeling? Amen, amen. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, please open your Bibles or your app. We'll be there in just a moment. As you're turning there, my name is Scott. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. And, and I want to begin our message today by, by discussing a, a rather heartbreaking story, a heartbreaking study, rather, that, uh, that, that you've probably heard of. You see, early in the 20th century, in the United States and the United Kingdom, uh, we, we read in history that many babies in orphanages and nurseries, in fact, up, upwards of 100% of babies in, in the nurseries or orphanages in the United States and the United Kingdom were, were passing away mysteriously. Nobody knew why this was happening. There wasn't a global pandemic of sickness, and, and they tried to figure it out for many, many years. And even in the 1940s, a psychoanalyst named Renee Spitz he continued to do research because even in the 1940s, one out of every three babies in the United States and the UK uh, were passing away unexpectedly. They weren't necessarily sick. They weren't starved. And the ones that didn't pass away were in, hi, <laughs> she, she wants to come right on up here. The ones that didn't pass away uh, were severely afflicted with 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 neurological damage and, and dysfunction that nobody could explain. So the question became, what is going on with these babies? They were well-fed. They were medically treated. And as history would tell the story, we know now that these babies were dying due to a lack of touch or affection from the people around them. They were fed. They were treated if they had medical issues, but they did not receive the love and care of a community around them. We all understand. Babies, I see some here in this service. I am so grateful, aren't you, that we are part of a church that has a lot of babies because that means we're growing. That means we're excited to see a next generation be raised up. 
Babies need love and snuggles. And a lot of you love snuggling babies. I love snuggling babies now, and then I love giving them back to their parents. I am out of the baby phase, okay? Praise God. Babies need love. And I want to begin our conversation there today because I want to submit to you that we never grow out of that. We never grow out of the need for affection and loving community around us. And we are going to dive deep in that today. If you didn't believe me before the year 2020, I would submit to you that we would all agree we have seen what isolation can do in people's lives. Over the last couple years, now studies are are coming out to show us the effects of some of this isolation. Depression and anxiety and suicide rates are skyrocketing. Why? People have been alone and you and I were not created to be alone. We were not made that way. And I believe there are many Christians whose faith is floundering and dying because they are trying to do something they were never created to do, which is live alone. So let's bring it down to the ground level here at our church for this weekend. Think of your own life. Do you have a solid community of Jesus followers in your life helping you do this thing alongside you? If you're not quite sure, I want to put a pointed question on the screen that may help. Here's the question. If tragedy strikes your life, God forbid, if tragedy strikes your life, do you, you have people in your life that you could call on for support? For the conversation today, I want you to not think about family and Las Vegas, a transient city. A lot of us don't have family around here. Thank God my family lives here. But if I'm thinking outside of my family, when tragedy strikes my life, do I have people I can call on for support? Not just the highs, but the lows, all the in-betweens, people that you're really doing life with. Last year, we did a survey at our church. Every couple years, we'll do a survey to to see how we're doing at this thing of making disciples at Hope Church. We did a survey last year. Many of you took part in that in this service. We asked you to fill out a few questions to let us know how we're doing. And one of the questions we asked in that survey was, how many 2 a.m. friends do you have that are a part of the Hope Church family? 2 a.m. friends mean this question. Something happens in your life at 2 o'clock in the morning. God forbid, do you have people in the Hope Church family that you could call in the middle of the night and say, I need you, brother or sister? And 40% of the people that took that survey who call Hope Church home said, if that were to happen in my life, I have zero people to call. That's why this conversation that we're having here today is very significant. If you're new with us, you're jumping into week two of a series that I have been eagerly anticipating for months, calling it This Is Hope, Who We Are and What We Do. We will continue to wave this banner. We have no interest in building a massive audience of people at a service that simply gaze upon and spectate the activity of God. That is not our goal here, to build an audience watching God and some professional Christians do their thing. That is not our desire, but it is our desire to raise up an army of passionate Jesus followers that would lean in and say, this is who we are and this is what we're about. And we're not just gonna watch God's activity, we're actually gonna participate in it as a church family. So we are waving this banner. Somebody's excited, amen. And last week, 
We looked at the foundational principle. If we miss this, we miss everything. And here it is. We magnify Christ above everything. If you're excited about that, I just need you to give me a hearty amen. Amen. If we don't have that, we don't have anything. If we don't magnify Christ above everything, nothing else we're going to talk about matters because he is the source. He is our Lord. So everything at Hope Church, I hope you keep us accountable, will be to the goal and aim of magnifying Christ above everything. If you want to hear me talk about that with some passion and excitement for 40 minutes, go back to last week and watch that message. But this week, we are going to talk about the reality that we experience life change in community. We experience life change in community. We live in a very individualistic society. Do you, do you agree with that? That we live in a world that says, me, 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 mine, 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 get yours, and who cares about everyone else? As long as you're happy, as long as your needs are met, we live in a very individualistic society. At 1030, I'm having a hard time saying that word. And here's the deal. It has crept in to the church of Jesus Christ. We now look at our relationship with Jesus from an individualistic lens. Like you think about your quiet time and your relationship with Jesus. And, and you come in here and you're like, if I could actually get the lights a little dimmer, because I'm just trying to have a moment with just me and Jesus. And we have bought the lie that you can live this Christian experience apart from other people. And it's exactly what I just said it is. It is a lie. Because when you read the New Testament, New Testament Christianity cannot be separated from community. You can't see a New Testament Christianity apart from brothers and sisters in our lives doing this thing together, which is why for about the past decade, we've had a phrase that goes like this. Church is not an event you attend. It's a family to which you belong. Amen. Church is not an event. You say, I would like to, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, but I would like to change our language. What do you mean? You probably told your family today, everyone get ready. We have to go to church. The problem is you didn't come to church. You came to a building. This is a beautiful building. We thank God for this place, but this is not the church. The church are the people that fill the building. The building is a Clark County inspected and stamped beautiful drywall. It's amazing, but it's just a building because guess what's about to happen in the next hour is the church came to fill the building, but the church is about to get in their cars and be scattered all over Las Vegas because the church is not a building. The church is a people. So this building will be empty, but the church will be making waves across the city all week long for the glory of God. Amen. And every single Book of the New Testament minus the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're studying right now verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark. Jesus' life, those are, those are the story of Jesus' life. Every other book other than the story of Jesus' life is either addressed to a community of believers, telling the story of a community of believers, or written to affect a community of believers. And all we see in the New Testament is this church began to grow. 
are large group environments like this. Rest assured, this is biblical, what we're doing today. This happened in the first century with the early church, but this isn't the only event that happened with the early church. You see large group gatherings, but then you also see them meeting house to house. And we're going to see today, they got in smaller environments where they really got to know each other. Here's why I say this. If this, and this is going to be a, a challenging message for some of us. If this right here is all you know of the community of Jesus followers known as Hope Church. If this right here, this gathering, a lot of people watching one guy speak on a microphone. If this is all you know, as amazing and biblical as it is. If this is all you know of community, you are missing out on what God has for your growth as a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to take the next 30 minutes or so and try with my whole heart to convince you of that. This is one amazing slice. But I want to say let's get more of what God has for us. Let's get more of a slice. And just in case you're not quite convinced, I want to give you one more reason. I'm asking you to lean in to see what God has for you tonight. Here it is. Why does this matter? Because you will never... and. I, highlighted it so you won't try to make an excuse for your situation, you will never become all that God has created you to be by yourself. And here's what I want you to hear. You weren't created to be that way. We have made this individualistic mindset in the church, and we can't find it in the Bible. So you were never made to do life alone, and you will never be all that God has created you to be if you try to do that. This is important. This is on my heart because in that same survey that we, I talked about earlier, 80% of the people that took that survey, 80% said, I am not connected in a community in a smaller environment than the main service. 80% of our church. This is why this is a big deal to us. Because I'm saying if, life, if we experience life-changing community and it's not just about the large group gathering, we need to have this conversation. And so to do that, we will look at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Some of you have heard these verses, amazing verses highlighting the community of early Jesus followers. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, here's what the Bible says. And they devoted themselves, they, that's the community of believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to breaking bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We're going to unpack that passage of scripture today. But we always want to jump in and give some context. Where is this coming from in the story of the Bible? Some of you may know, but this story comes after Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, was, was crucified, killed for the sin of the world. Three days later, we celebrated every Easter. He rose again from the dead. Many people don't understand that for 40 days after he rose from the dead, the resurrected Christ began to do ministry and, and tell his followers, we are raising up a kingdom here that's going to change the world. So for 40 years, he talked about the, or 40 days, he talked about the kingdom of God. 
And then the book of Acts opens up with him giving his final marching orders to the church before he ascends to the Father. But he said, don't worry, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. This is part of what we prayed with Pastor Tom earlier. I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to fill you and empower you to carry out this mission. And so he does that. He sends the Holy Spirit. And then, and then Peter, the, the cowardly disciple that denied Jesus just a, few, just a few weeks before, is filled up with the Holy Spirit of God. And he preaches the gospel on a countryside. And, and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in one sermon. That's a pretty powerful sermon fueled by the Spirit of God. One sermon, 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. But it wasn't just a great church service. A community was born. And then the next verses that we're going to unpack start to describe that community. So if we believe we experience life-changing community, we're going to see what that community looks like. I want to give us three realities about being in community. Here's the first one. I, or being in community means growing in Christ together. Being in community means growing in Christ together. Verse 42, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. They are devoting themselves. It's, it's the same word we use today when we talk about devotion. It's a, a steadfast yearning of continuing to really lean into the apostles' teaching and to being together. We know from the New Testament they were gathering in environments like this, but they were also gathering in much smaller intentional groups. And what I want us to see is their community was not just like a, a pickleball community. It wasn't just a, a fantasy football community. Their community was born out of their faith in Jesus. But their faith in Jesus was deepening their community. Their community was deepening their relationship with Jesus. And their relationship with Jesus was what created their community. They, they were together devoting themselves together growing in Christ. It's this a beautiful reciprocal relationship. Here's the point. There are things about God that I and you will never learn or experience apart from fellowship with other Christians. There are things about God that you and I will never fully understand and because God means for us to learn it with other believers together. We grow in community Together, And we see this in the New Testament church. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says it like this. We are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. This is happening as they press in together and devote. They Community means growing in Christ together. They are growing in their love for Jesus because they are together in Christ. When we say we experience life change in community. What we mean is, as we exist and connect in Christ-magnifying, gospel-centered, word of God-saturated community, we begin to see Jesus bigger. We begin to grow in our faith in Christ. And we see that happen right here in the next verse. As they were doing that, look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were being done. So as they grew in their relationship, it wasn't just head knowledge that they were just spewing out some facts. As they devoted themselves, all came upon every soul. They were growing in their relationship with Jesus. And some of you have experienced this in community. 
when you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ in your small group and you guys are really doing life together, sharing prayer requests and I'm saying, man, I'm praying for you and then you see God answer your prayer on behalf of your brother and sister, stuff starts to happen and you go, whoa, God is moving in the midst of me and my group, me and my community and here's what I want us to see. All day long, I'm gonna continue to call this out. As amazing as this environment is, that doesn't happen here. We're not putting a microphone out in the middle of the, in the, middle of the aisles. We'll be here all day. Hey, share the, the, the praise reports and the, the prayers that were answered from God this week so we can all stand in awe. So how does that happen? It happens as we spend time together in small group community, growing in our relationship with the Lord. I want us to see this doesn't just happen around a stage. This happens around a table. This doesn't just happen in worship center seats. This happens in living room couches. And so many of us are missing out on that aspect of our relationship with God, growing in Christ. But there's a second thing being in community means. Being in community means living life together. And all who believe were together and had all things in common. Now, lest you think this is some utopian ideal I want to remind you that this, this word does not mean that they agreed on everything. We know, actually, from the New Testament, some of these people who are in this very community that this verse is talking about were ideological enemies. Like they, they actually would, apart from something entering in and changing them, the Holy Spirit of God, they would hate each other. There was no reason these people should be hanging out together let alone doing this kind of life together. I mean, they, they looked at the government different. They, they looked at social economic things different. They were from different cultures. There is no reason other than under the blood and banner of Jesus Christ that these people should be doing life together. But not only were they doing life together, they were really getting on a deep level together. We see this happening. All things in common. What a phrase. I thought this week as I was preparing, I thought about that phrase and it drew me back to when my wife Candace and I first got married. We dated for four years before we got married. We were 17 years old and so we dated for four years and there was a lot I knew about Candace when we got married. I knew when she made that sort of face that she was either happy or sad, right? You, those of you who've been in relationships for a long time, you just get to learn each other on that kind of level. But I believe one of the most sanctifying and revealing parts of the human experience is when you begin to share a bathroom with another human being. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like I knew Candace really well, but it wasn't until we got married and moved in together where it's like, now I really, there is no hiding when you share a bathroom with somebody. Like, like I could put up a front before that. <laughs> Right, I could dress up and, and I could have like all my I could have my best date outfit on, but now I'm like waking up next to this person and br there's no way to look pretty brushing your teeth, okay? All things in common. Like it is where I joke, my wife was in the last service, like I always know when it was kind of a hectic morning at the Worthington house, when I get home after services on Sunday and it looks like a explosion of hair products went off in my bathroom. Because we got three girls, my wife and our two daughters. And so there's, there's blow dryers and hair products. And I promise you, I don't use any of those, okay? So I know, wow, today was a hectic day. She didn't tell me anything, but guess what? We have that bathroom in common. So I know this was a rough morning in the Worthington home. Now, I'm not saying 
Acts chapter 2, they were sharing bathrooms together. But here's what we see. There's a level of intimacy that my wife and I have when we share all things. This is the kind of life-on-life community that we see in the New Testament. No fronts. No no church face. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Meanwhile, you're like crumbling on the inside. This is not the kind of community that we read about in Acts chapter 2. And let me just say. I understand what I am communicating right now is very hard. Some of us have been hurt in those kind of environments. Our trust has been abused. Some of us have been vulnerable and we, it's come back to bite us. I understand what I'm saying is hard, but I hope you're hearing and will continue to hear. It may be hard, but it is worth it. In fact, I believe it's God's best for us. They had all things in common. We see that play out in the next couple verses. They are day by day attending temple together. They're literally coming to services together, breaking bread together, living on a real deep kind of level. This is not chips and salsa every few weeks. Share a couple prayer requests and say, have a great few weeks. We'll see you next time. This is on a much deeper level to the point where it says these people are actually selling their possessions to provide for anyone that had need. Like, that's some sacrifice. This is not just a a small group I pop in and out of. These are people that are saying, under the banner of Jesus Christ, we are really doing this thing together. I'm here for you, and I'm going to here to meet your needs. We understand needs. Even as I look around this room, I'm sure there are hundreds of needs. Financial needs, Emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual needs. And here's what I want us to see is we're a part of this individualistic society. Even in the church, so many Christians, their first thought when they have a need is they go to other things in a very individualized way to try to meet those needs. And priority Z is the body of Christ. We, even the good gifts of God. So I have a problem, I need to go get a book. I need to get a book, and I love books. Books are a gift of God. But it shouldn't be priority A for me to go sit by myself and read a book to meet my need, or download that app, or go to therapy. I'm not against any of those things. But most of the times, Christians are looking to meet their needs by those things first, and on their mind is not even the people that God has placed around them to help them follow out their relationship with Jesus. We don't even look to the people around us that God says, this is what I want you to look to first. Some of us don't have them. And even if we do, we don't want to go to that level. And I'm here to say, this is the kind of level God would have us be a part of. If you don't believe me, there's a, there's a, um, there's a phrase in the Bible, two-word phrase that pops up all over the New Testament. It's the phrase, one another. Some of you who are studiers of the word of God, you see this pop over all over the New Testament. Anybody that would push back on the idea that we are to be living life together as followers of Jesus would have quite the hurdle to jump over in the New Testament because all over the place you see these types of phrases. I want to put a whole bunch of them on the screen. There's over 50 of them, but here are a few. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Give preference to one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Here we go. Let's pause on that one for a minute. Some of you know the definition, but the word admonish, the Scott Worthington translation is this. Call each other out. See, we don't invite that into our lives unless the Holy Spirit told us we need to. 
Here's what that means. You and I should be admonishing one another in Christ. What does that mean? I am so connected with brothers in my life that there are guys in my life that can take me to coffee and say, Scott, I love you too much to let you keep walking down this road. And I'm here to call my brother out because I love you and I know Christ has more for you. If you don't have people in your life that have that kind of access to you, I would encourage you, you're missing out on God's best for you. There should be some people in my life that can call me out and some people in your life. We're not admonishing people on Facebook. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about admonishing your brother in a DM. I'm talking about living a sort of life in community where you really know somebody's heart and they can take you out to lunch or coffee and say, I love you too much to let you stay here. And you've invited me in and I'm here to admonish my brother or sister. I won't talk about all the rest of them, but there's over 50. And here's just what I want to leave you with here. Very few of those things can happen in this environment. So there must be more. If it can't happen here, it has to happen because it's a New Testament model. So where does it happen? It happens as we get smaller and real life starts to begin to happen. So being in community means living life together, but there is a third one. Being in community means being on mission together. Being in community means being on mission together. It says there in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So here's what's happened. The Holy Spirit has fallen. They begin to live life together. They're devoting themselves. They're growing in Christ. They're really living on a deep level life together. And here's what's happening. It's become incredibly contagious. And they're starting to have favor with people. And God is bringing more people to them. This is what happens when we live this kind of community. Some of you know, but we talked about it earlier in our prayer time. Jesus gave us a mission as a church. Sometimes it's called the Great Commission. In all four Gospels and in the book of Acts, right before Jesus ascended to the Father, he gives us our marching orders as Jesus followers. Here's what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is our marching orders as Christians. Be witnesses. But here's how most of us read that. Every time we see that word you, you suit up. All right, I gotta go charge hell with a water pistol. It's my responsibility to make disciples or to be a witness for Christ. Here's the problem. We always want to remind you that the New Testament was not written in the English language. It was written in the Greek. And that word in the Greek, that word for you, all those times you see it here and in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every time you see the word you, it's not singular, you individual Christian. It's plural. Now, I'm not from the South, but the only English language word that we have to say that is this. Y'all. Oh, that was bad. Tom's right here. He's, I'm embarrassed for myself. Okay, I'm a West Coast guy. I don't say y'all like ever. Only in this service the last three times have I said y'all. But it does not mean you. It means you all. It was written to a community of people because it was meant to be accomplished by a community of people. And here's what I want you to hear. You can't do that by listening to one guy with a face mic on an hour and a half a week. There's got to be more. There's got to be a deeper level of intimacy and community. My wife and I's kind of journey of small group has been kind of all over the place the last several years. 
we were praying about what it could look like. And she had her girls groups and I had my guys groups. But because of kids and some other excuses that we made, we, we had not been in community together until last year. I praise God, somebody put together a group, and now, by God's grace, my wife and I and five other couples are really seeking to live out this kind of community. This is not a hero story. This is me saying, I understand how hard it is. I understand. I'm in a group. There are times when I don't want to talk. I'm the pastor. Everyone's looking at me for the answer. I don't have the answer. I just want to be in a group. And praise God, I'm around five other couples. My wife and I were the very first meeting. We kind of went around and like, hey, what do we want out of this group? A couple of them are here. I see them around the room. And we all, to the couple, said, here's what we can't afford because of the busyness of our lives. We can't afford to just put on a front and be fake here in this place. If we're not getting real, let's not even do it. So praise God. We all had one mind. Like, let's seek out to live this kind of community. And so we've seen now. As we start to, by God's grace, really get to know each other over the last year, we're seeing these things. Somebody loses their job. Uh, something happens with a kid. The, the group text is popping off, and we're praying for each other. And we're meeting, and it's not all serious things. Like tonight, we're getting together at my house, and we're carving pumpkins for the glory of God, okay? We're doing life together, and here's what we're praying. We're praying what happened in Acts chapter 2 will happen in our lives, that people will see that kind of community, and it will become contagious. It will be something that people look to. Did you know, in fact, that the litmus test of the New Testament on whether or not you're a follower of Jesus is your relationship with the community of people around you? You say, I don't know about that, man. You got to put some Bible on that. John chapter 13, let me show you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Now, Here's how individualistic Christianity reads this. The this is my doctrine. I'll show people I'm a follower of Jesus because I, I have the book and I know what it says and I'll show people I'm a follower of Christ. Or sometimes it's, it's by this, the music that I listen to and the music that I choose not to listen to. So when I roll up to my office with the windows down and I'm blaring SOS radio, then people will know that I'm his disciple. Some of us... God help us. By this, my Facebook posts, they'll know I'm his disciple by what I put on Facebook. That's not any of what he says. Some of you know the phrase. Here's what he says is the this. If you have love for one another. See, the New Testament would not allow us to dismiss this community thing as just a thing for extra credit Christians. It would say, no, this is the deal. It's not just about this environment as amazing as it is. It's also about getting to a level where people know you, getting to a level where, where people see you. And, and again, we see what happened in this word. These people are ideological enemies. There's no reason there in Acts chapter 2 that these people should be under the same roof, let alone live in this kind of community together. But not only was it, was it, was it, was it happening, it was also a testimony to a watching world. And here's what I want us to see as a church family. If we really started living this out and full in our churches were, were small groups with Democrats and Republicans and different cultures and different socioeconomic statuses. And we may disagree on a million things of the world, but we're agreeing on this one thing. And that's that we were saved and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are gathering together under that name. And here's what I believe is going to happen. People are going to start seeing that and go, what is going on? 
When we don't look at the people that agree with us at all the worldly things and say, those are my people. No, my people are the people that I'm doing life with under the banner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are my people, and we're making waves for the kingdom. And I want to see God bring that. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. This is who we are and what we do. And let me be honest. This is a little more idealistic than I'd like it to be currently. I gave you the stats. 80% of the people that took the survey said, I'm not in a group. Meaning, at that point at least, 80% of our church said, I hear you, but I'm good with the hour and a half environment and I'm going to do that and be on my merry way. Here's what I hope you've heard today. I am not the primary discipler in your life. The body of Christ is to be the primary disciplers in your life. This environment, as amazing as it is, I love every time we come and gather to sit under the preaching of the word of God, to pray together like Pastor Tom led us so well earlier, to sing and lift up and magnify Christ above everything through music. But the primary discipleship tool in your life is not and should not be this. God would have you have more as you get deeper and start to really live life with other followers of Jesus. And this will be a witness to the watching world. Francis Schaeffer, an old school theologian, said it like this. Our relationship with each other is the gauge the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Oof. Christian community is the final apologetic. This is why, Hope Church, we say we experience life change in community. We see it from the New Testament. The primary way at Hope Church that we see that kind of community born is in small group environments. I want us to, to see here in, in this original Greek text, there's a bunch of verbs in this passage. Did you know that 10 out of the 16 verbs, the action verbs in this passage, are in the imperfect tense? Now, I know you need some help with that. I did too. The imperfect tense means it is continuously happening. So this isn't a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I did the small group thing. Check. I don't ever have to do that again. All the things we just read are supposed to be continuously happening. It's almost like it's how we grow because it is. So it's not check the box, I did small group. It's I'm constantly involved in community so I can grow and be closer to Jesus than I am right now. It's ongoing. And I love what we're doing here, but I hope you've heard. This is only one slice of the community that God would have for each and every one of us. And so if the 80% if the stat is true, there are many of you here today that maybe need to lean in and ask the question, is my life being changed? Is my life being changed? I want to put a hard truth on the screen if you're asking that question. If your life is not being changed, something needs to change. If you would hear this and say, hey, I'm not, I'm not experiencing that kind of community then something needs to change. I, I don't know where this quote or this thought originally came from. I believe it's, it's a military thing, but I love it and I couldn't agree with it more. Here it is. I love this phrase. Your life is perfectly designed to get the results it is currently getting. Let that one sink in for a minute. If you say, I don't love my life. I don't like the outcomes. I don't like what. If your life 
is perfectly designed right now to get the results you are currently getting. So if you're not happy with the life change in your life, something may need to change. And one of those things I would hope would be to get in some community that would help you grow and follow Jesus better. I love the stories we're showing in this series. I want to show you right now as we close the story of a small group that that started to understand this and really are seeing God move in their group. So check out Randall's story. So we first came to Hope in uh, 2020. And when I first came, I was pretty intimidated because I didn't even know where to go. And um, actually, Pastor Gene was out there. He uh, came up to my family and greeted us. And uh, not only did he greet us, but he kind of showed us where to go and not just telling us. He walked us and made sure we were comfortable. Uh, Me personally, especially, I was pretty touched by that because that's not something that's common. We wanted to get connected into a group because we just moved here. We didn't really have a real community, anyone to connect with. I know I need it and I know my family needs it. It was a little discouraging at first because it was either we Zoom and the kids stay out or you get a babysitter and we meet together with no kids. And for us, that just wasn't an option. Through my relationship with Pastor Gene and talking with him, he, um, lovingly and somewhat forcefully kind of encouraged me saying, hey, you know what? If that's not out there, maybe you should take that step and put it out there, start one. And I said, that's ridiculous because I'm not that guy, you know? When the Lord calls you to something and asks you something, it's it's not easy to tell him no. We decided, you know what, let's, let's give it a shot. We decided to have our first meeting and we met at my house and we had three other families. We just started doing life together and studied the word and our kids would come together and have fun and hang out. And the whole goal of it is to connect as families. You know, we want us as adults to connect and we want our kids to have people to talk to, to hang out with. We really want to invest in each other and grow our families. And once you're activated in Christ, it's he just continues to push through you and use you in ways that you never thought possible. And I just encourage people and I challenge people because I'm like, I'm just a normal dude. Like, I'm a quiet, shy person. That's kind of how God works. He doesn't always call, like we always say, the Navy SEAL Christians, right? He uses all of us in every way. And it's not really about me or my group, but it's about Him. It's about connecting people. When you have that community and people you can call and rely on and that will show up, that's what community is all about is, is being there. At Hope Church, we experience life-changing community. Can you give it up for Randall and his family? Here's how I want to close. When the team sent me that, I, I zeroed in on one thing Randall said that I thought was powerful. He said, when the Lord calls you to something, it's not easy to tell him no. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, okay? This is not a condemning thing. I I do want to challenge you. If you're hearing this message today and and you are in small group community, praise God. I I hope today has been fuel for your community fire. You're going to say, let's go deeper. Let's, Let's really do this as a community. But if you're here today and you are not connected in any sort of other community environment except this right here of followers of Jesus who are helping you grow and get better, my simple challenge for you would be to ask the question, man, why not? 
because I believe you are missing out on what God would have for you. I'm looking at the last year of my wife and I's life and said, man, we are missing out. Every time we meet, every time we're going through the group text, it's like I'm so glad this is a part of our lives and we were missing it. Some of us are missing it. So to close, I, I want to give us some, some feet to some excuses that I know some of you are making right now because I have made all these. Some of us have said, I would join a group, but... So I thought, let's make an acrostic with the word but. There we go, right there. I've said every one of these, and you probably have too. Maybe right now even, you're saying, this is great, but like, yeah. I would join a group, but I'm too busy. You don't know my lifestyle, man. It's like my job and, and the situation. Like, it sounds great, and I pray for those other people that don't have the, as demanding of a job as me, but, but I'm just too busy to join a group. Here's how I would lovingly challenge that idea. You make time for what you prioritize in your life. Period. End of story. That's not a spiritual principle. Whatever you think is priority in your life, I promise you, you make time for it. So don't Hopefully you see this as a priority. Don't dismiss it. It's like, oh, I'm just too busy. The enemy would love that. I would join a group, but it's uncomfortable. I'm an introvert and people are weird. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not into it. I don't know people. Listen, I believe we actually grow the most when we're uncomfortable. I tell my kids right now, I got four little kids and, and they're literally growing like weeds. And they're like, ah, my legs hurt. And it's like, yes, they're literally called growing pains. You're uncomfortable because you're getting bigger. Think of a time in your life where you didn't grow out of uncomfort. Maybe it's the same for your relationship with Jesus. You may be uncomfortable. I would challenge you to push into that discomfort, knowing that might be the exact place God would have you to grow third excuse I've made. I would join a group, but I've tried and it didn't work. Most of us did not marry the person that we first tried to date, right? Thank God I did not give up on marriage because I tried dating and it didn't work. We see this in our lives all over the place, but for small groups, we say, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work for me. I would encourage you keep trying and keep trying and try again. And if you have to try 40 times, that's how important it is for us to get on a real level with other people. So keep trying. I promise you, we have plenty of groups. If you go to every single small group Hope Church has and then come to me and said, I've tried all of them, I would lovingly tell you, the problem is probably you. <laughs> but again, we just usually say that as an excuse to move on and I hope you don't move on. I have another T that I didn't wanna add, but I threw it up there anyways. I'll join a group, but it's too hard with kids. That's what my wife and I said. We got little kids, it's too hard. Here's what I don't think happened in Acts chapter two. I don't think they sought out the, the most highly rated babysitter in Jerusalem, put her up in a nice loft with some kid games and Netflix so they could have a nice time meeting together and devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That didn't happen then and it's hard to happen now. Yes, it will be more chaotic. Yes, it might be a little crazy. I actually believe that's a good thing because just like that video, you actually get to see the multi-generational aspect of the kingdom of God. So even if you have kids, let them be all over the place and get on a real level with the people that have kids all over the place because you're in the same season of life and it could actually be a great thing, not a thing that stops you. I hope what you hear today is not condemnation, a loving challenge to say, if you're not connected in this kind of community, we have opportunities this weekend. You probably saw it when you walk in, but when you walk out today, 
there's people that they're gonna hand you something to say, hey, pray about joining a group. If you're already in a group, pray about somebody else that you know joining a group. But this is an opportunity we have to respond, put some feet to what we're talking about in here. If you're not in a group, I would encourage you, do business with the Lord in just a moment as we stand to sing. As we stand in just a minute, maybe you would just say, God, I'm not in a group and I've made all the excuses in the world and would you have me to connect in this kind of community? And then respond to whatever it is he tells you. Just lastly, before we stand, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, everything we've talked about today is, is a part of this abundant life that Jesus promises us who know him. In fact, he died and rose again to make that abundant life possible for you. So maybe today, just like in both of our services, we're not preaching on the gospel. We're not preaching. We're preaching to believers about getting connected in community and people are getting saved. What is this? It's the Lord adding to their number day by day, those who will be saved. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. We encourage you, come talk to one of our pastors. We'd love to show you the abundant life Christ has for you. And he's done everything possible to make it a thing. If you're a Christian, do business with the Lord. What would he have for you in this next season? So Jesus, you are the boss. We trust you. We thank you for your word. I pray whatever you're doing, Holy Spirit, in the minds and hearts of your followers, that they would respond in obedience as we sing. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you do in our lives through community. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.